Hey everyone, before the episode starts, we just wanted to let you know we now have a Patreon. Our patrons will get access to episodes early, monthly minisodes, and will be able to vote on the movies we choose. Go to patreon.com slash isitwet for more information. Uh, thanks so much to everyone who subscribed already. You are like the personification of how the movie Blade makes us feel. So thank you so much. Hey everybody, welcome to Is It Wet? Where in our quest for forbidden knowledge, we constantly ask ourselves, what have we done? I'm Sophie. I'm Caitlin. And today we are covering the 1999 action-adventure film, The Mummy. Yes, we are. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, we are super excited to be doing this this motion picture, uh, both uh, because it, it is awesome and it's pretty rad, and... Well, let's walk back through initially why we wanted to do this movie. So I, Kaylin, I sent you a tweet. um, Yes, although I believe it was like, I think the movie was already on our list, like our giant running list. Mm -hmm. But yeah, then then you came across this tweet. And yeah, usually we'll pick a movie because my I think Twitter's magical and just I'll be like thinking of a movie and then it will show up a bunch of times on my feed and there'll be like discourse around it. Yeah. Um, this hap- this has been happening with Blade. This has been <laughs> happening with Scooby-Doo. I, I don't know if I'm like if like Twitter is optimized is like I know you are. No, I think you're yeah. manifesting this. I think this is what manifesting is. That that's what this is. There's no algorithms. It's not because of my search terms or search <laughs> history or the fact, yeah, that that I primarily YouTube and Google these movies. It's I'm. It is the secret. I am. Mm-hmm. I'm like you know what? I wish there was more discourse around Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr.'s sort of himbo valley girl uh relationship because it's fascinating to me and i love it so i sent you a tweet because it just it seemed to be very very much describing a lot of a lot of the um sort of dialogue we've had on both on this podcast and in our lives twitter user uh l Salen tweeted i believe uh no one is born by you watch the mummy at a formative age and the whole cast turns you by and not only was that very relatable it also sounded it sounds like i I mean it's been a while since i took a science class but that sounded like a hypothesis to me (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah and if there's one thing about this podcast it's like hard science whether that's in our analysis of these movies um, you know, we talk about a lot uh, the fluid dynamics that that are involved in in this in these movies. We talk a lot about plasmas and sort of we do mm-hmm. a lot of equations where you think mm-hmm. we're just talking about how goopy it is. We're actually doing a lot a lot of analysis of how things goop. Oh yeah, and it's like. It's in the same way that you know Numi Rapace in Prometheus is like. Oh, you don't turn it up to seven. Don't 
don't make it go up seven seven percent or whatever it's the same yeah it's like it's like maybe maybe the language we use doesn't always fit it but it is hard science it that is we're doing it is as hard science as prometheus listen a severed yeah. head can be 40 percent alive yeah you just have to trick it. You have to. Tr- you just have to trick the neurons right. into thinking it's alive again. So that's and that you can't argue with that science. And all archaeologists are astrophysicists, obviously, and biologists. Uh, that's that. You don't need a heart. You do, you can just ha- use your archaeology degree for anything, uh, which we'll probably explore in this movie. <laughs> Um, like what what is what is the archaeology Uh, going on um so yeah i think i think this was a very formative uh movie for me um and we'll definitely be be talking about scientifically if this movie is responsible for uh for turning people people bisexual yeah and we will be breaking it down bit by bit very scientifically i have literal timestamps for when um when it affects you uh you know s- different ways uh and this is that's the i think the majority of 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 what this episode (laughs) is gonna be about um so before we get into some just really hard science Mm -hmm. um did you have any wet moments this week sophie you know i i i did i uh so i this was a fucked this up was a, week. Oh, I just good want point. like this was a really <laughs> fucked up week. Uh, yeah. yeah, for for those of you um, who don't realize this by now, we we our episodes are pre recorded like a few weeks in advance. So this at this point has ha- probably happened a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but this week there was the. Uh, <sighs> insurrection of white white supremacists at the capitol um that was pretty fucked up yeah it was like especially fucked up how like the president <laughs> like told them to do it and um and, it was just and yeah. then told them we love we love you um <laughs> yeah and then literally said we love we you. love you <laughs> you're special go home which yeah. you know yeah, that's really that that's a fucked up thing to say. But yeah, so it's just like I I'm even having trouble thinking about things that I did and and watched mm-hmm. and yeah, so I'm just like it has been a fucking crazy week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, I think the literally the only thing I can think of happened earlier today. Like that's where my mm-hmm. <laughs> like mental state is that that's as far back as I can remember and it was that I was like okay I gotta get some work done I'm trying to do a bunch of things I just need to like start I just need to start and then I'll be able to like get some momentum and a lot of times when I'm doing anything I like to have just nonsense on the tv in the background and so I was like I'm gonna turn something on on tv it's just something that I want in the background that's just gonna like chill me out and like just be noise and what i chose for myself was the phantom menace (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was like okay this is just gonna like get me in the zone and get me to focus and concentrate and like that's my mental state as i was like that's uh, for some reason that's what's doing it and that's just i know it's not even that wet um the the prequels but it's fairly wet. I think maybe we were 
misremembering the prequels when we originally said they were dry because there is a lot of sand, which of course is coarse and rough and gets everywhere. So, but I do think they are wetter. Like the little, there's a big ratio of like little, little just little bug guys. Yeah. Um, I think the acting performances are are fairly wet. Mm-hmm. The music is just so frantic mm-hmm. and flowing. Mm-hmm. The sound effects in the movie mm-hmm. are nuts, especially anything associated with Gungan City. And the okay. fact that Gung- the Gungans and Gungan City is in it, that that may be the, the core, like, wet essence of yeah. that mm-hmm. movie. The wet sort of epicenter, uh, eye of the wet hurricane oh, yeah. of, of The Phantom Menace, I think, is really the Gungans. And I... Used to make fun of them, but honestly, I just really love them now. <laughs> <laughs> like Boss Nash shows up, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Just like shibby, shibby, dude. <laughs> dude, I think there's some like very wet villains in it. I because I think like Darth <laughs> yeah. Vader, um, in the the original series is pretty dry. Like, um, yeah. he's just in that he's just in that suit, and like you don't know anything about him, and you're just. He's a dry dude. Um, Kylo Ren's a dry dude. Uh, even though Adam Driver's fairly a wet person. Mm-hmm. That's his range. It's just his range that he's able to do that. In fact, like Marriage Story may be a wet movie, but we do not have time to get into why. <laughs> that is a oh, teaser. We don't, and don't add that one no. to the list. I don't, I don't want to. I, I don't want to talk about that movie. Yeah. Much like Adam Driver, I don't want to reflect on <laughs> that movie and, <laughs> and think about any of any of it. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, but I would say like Palpatine's performance, Ian McDermott's oh, performance yeah. is very wet. Like when he's like, not by a Jedi. And you're like, oh, dude, like, you're not doing yeah. a good, you, like. Yeah, when he says, when he's like, I move for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. And I'm like, what the fuck is that sentence in that voice? Like, that's so, that's wet and slippery as hell. He's, he, but, oh, yeah, he's yeah. like slippery. He's like, he's like a, his voice is like the way that a snake moves. It's very, it's very, Ugh, it's yes. got that sheen to it. Yeah, and, and it's like, oh, we would all like recognize when a like evil guy is trying to take power and clearly transparently and uh, we wouldn't let it happen. But um, for some reason, since those movies came out, I've changed my tune on that a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, recent events. Uh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so what about Oh, I'm not done you? talking about the villains from the past. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I want to talk about, okay, who is that guy? Who is that robot with the upper respiratory infection? Okay, listen, I could talk about fucking General Grievous. And I could talk about fucking General (laughs) Grievous. (laughs) All goddamn day. Because I love general grievous yeah. like he's my favorite character in the star wars universe i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on <laughs> saying that he's it's so weird it's so weird to have a robot character who like wants to be a human and he wants to be a human so badly that what he's decided he's gonna do about that is just like physically put human organs inside of his robot body and give himself asthma <laughs> he keeps coughing and shit. 
so weird, and I love that. But he doesn't come in until, like, the second or third movie, I think. That's so true. I didn't get any Grievous. I didn't get any just gorgeous Grievous yeah. action today. But maybe I'll watch another one. Tomorrow. I think I'm going to try to write a song about him. All right. About <laughs> Who's got four arms and he's coughing and devious. It's that that crazy man. His name is General Grievous. Oh, that was awesome. Um, he's yeah. Why give yourself lung? Oh, he's he's wild. So is he just like he wants to be a human? Okay, we we I do not have time. So. Yeah, we don't have time. Mm-hmm. But all I remember from him was that he like yeah he wants. I think he wants to be a Jedi. He wants to be a human Jedi. Okay, as far as I know, a robot can't be a Jedi. I don't know that that's. I don't want anyone to quote me on that, that Mm -hmm. a droid can't be a Jedi. But I get the sense that a droid can't be a Jedi. So he wants to. And that's why he's stolen, clearly, or made, I think. He's made himself four lightsabers. He needs four of them. Mm -hmm. And also human lungs and diseases, I guess. (laughs) So I think, he, yeah, I think his whole thing is he's like, I want to be a human Jedi. Yeah. Okay. Or like... Does he want to be a Sith? Or yeah, what? Yeah, what, I guess he wants cares? to be a... like, guy, like <laughs> work that out between you two. Sith, hey, Sith and Jedi, stop uh, pulling the rest of the galaxy into your conflict. Like yeah. settle this in, in your like weird temples. This is just. This is honestly just like the prestige this is just a conflict between magicians yes that, that ropes a bunch of innocent people into it yes that, die. that is affecting many lives and killing lots of people yeah yeah, yeah honestly Whew. wow we talk about the prestige a lot on this podcast we but really not do. enough we, but also not enough and mm-hmm. and also not enough we need to talk about general grievous more because like i said <laughs> he's the best character. <laughs> he's got a joy Oh, that was amazing. I can't wait to give those to Chris. All right. So what about you? Did you any did you view anything that um, where a where technology <laughs> longs to be sentient and and have flesh? And so it puts flesh inside of it. Did you look at anything like that? No, I did not. Uh, I didn't really watch anything or listen to anything besides the news. But I did go to Ikea because yeah. I recently moved. And Ikea is fairly oh, yeah. a fairly dry place. But I also don't know because like... Uh, I texted you about this, Caitlin, is that uh, Ikea is like a liminal space. (laughs) It is somewhere, it is not really of this reality, but is not really of the next either. It's uh, it's both a place I find extremely stressful and extremely like calming and, and fun. It's just, it's very weird. I also like don't remember how it came about. I just remember at some point, Maybe, maybe just as you get older, like as a kid, you you don't know what IKEA is. Like, I don't know if it was just not not prominent in the nineties, yeah. but I just remember at some point in the two thousands, people were like, just started talking about IKEA um, to me, and and then I like got some of the cultural references, like oh, there's there's like meatballs there, and um, it's a labyrinth, 
and that that um <laughs> that you must you must traverse yes. and then you must like go through you have like uh, a few a few key co- key codes and you must sort of scamper around the warehouse assembling the pieces that go into the the that that unlocks sort of the <laughs> The Keystone, the Book of the Dead. Um, yeah, it's also yeah, it's it's very much like Legends of the Hidden Temple too. It in is. That way. It is. Yeah. Um, there's you can definitely win or lose. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, the wet part. So I don't know if my trip was wet, but um, the cafeteria was was closed probably for the best yeah. during these times. Um, but uh, I love their lingonberry juice. Oh my. Goodness gracious, what the dick shit is that? <laughs> <laughs> so a lingonberry is it's it's like uh it's kind of like a cranberry. It's like <gasps> a small little it's probably grown in a bog. I don't know. Oh, um, I hope it's I hope it's origin it can trace its origins back to a bog. Oh yeah. And um it is yeah, it's basically yeah, I think it grows in um in sort of the tundra so i think that's why maybe it grows in sweden so anyway they have very good lingonberry juice and you get in a juice box um and they had some to go and so we were like oh but we want a lot so let's grab this bottle let's grab two bottles and then we got in the car and we were like psyched about this lingonberry juice um because it's like I, I, it's only at Ikea. Like, I don't yeah. know where else you can get lingonberry juice. And it's like, you know, when you're at Disneyland, you gotta drink Mickey Mouse Mickey's. shit. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, <laughs> gotta drink Mickey's piss. Yeah. Um, you, know, you said his shit. You gotta drink his piss and his diarrhea. You gotta drink, <laughs> you gotta drink both. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree that Ikea is, oh, it is a magical land full of stuff that I wouldn't know where to get literally anywhere else right no but okay so we were ready to to knock back this drink uh-huh. and so um we open it and take a big gulp it turns out it's not it's not the juice it's <gasps> the juice concentrate so it's just syrup it's so it's just like the pure sugar that goes that, that you then have to assemble i actually have some here you're just supposed to put a tiny tiny little drop okay in in your in water you're not supposed to gulp it um and it kind of like it was like molasses it kind of like goes down your goes down your throat it was delicious but it was very wet oh god so if you want the so drink the forbidden uh ikea sugar sludge it's delicious (laughs) it comes in a glass container it's about it's like eight ounces it's delicious yes get the sugar sludge Sugar, sugar sludge. Yes, this sludge. is. We will have three sugar sludges, please. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Caitlin, the Mummy, nineteen ninety nine, the Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Yes. And just a whole bunch of whole bunch of other hotties. Whew. So I like. I want to start out by saying that the overarching plot of the movie where it's like a brother and sister because Rachel Weiss and her brother are archaeologists and I think their father was also an archaeologist and he 
like contributed a lot of money to museums all through all over the world so they Mm -hmm. grew up in that life and these are just like a brother and sister that get along really well they love to have fun together they love to go on an adventure together and then like this dude shows up and it's brendan fraser and he's hot and then like there's a thing between brendan fraser and her and but like brendan fraser gets along with the brother too and like they're friends and they all love hanging out and then like that's why I like this movie so much. This is like mm-hmm. my fantasy. I because I get along really well with my brother and mm-hmm. I love hanging out with them and we just have a blast together and that's like my dream is for like all for us to like go on an adventure and then like maybe maybe we each like you know kind of fall in love with some people and then we all get along together and then we're all friends and it's just I couldn't imagine anything better. This is true this escapism is for me. Your ideal family vacation is <laughs> bringing a a uh, apocalyptic plague on a foreign country. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. This is my fantasy: is to bring the actual, literal plagues from the Bible on a on a land. Yeah. On a on a land you do not belong to, nope. a recently colonized land. Yep. Great. I'm just com- I'm just I'm just coming there to just oh st- uh, essentially steal some stuff <laughs> that doesn't belong to me. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I think my relationship to this movie. I think I saw it as a kid, and much like all the other Brendan Fraser movies, I was like very captivated by him. Very captivated by by the the action and adventure and the romance, and that it was like. Yeah, I would say that it's less mean-spirited and more accessible than Indiana Jones. Oh, totally. Yeah, like I I think that I didn't like, um, as much as I love Harrison Ford, like he did, he did have an attitude as as Indiana Jones, like I liked those movies, but I was like, this guy, I feel like this guy would not, this guy would not be nice to me um, if we were, if like... I was stuck in the middle seat and he was on the um, window seat on like a 14 hour flight. I feel like Indiana Jones would be really mean to me. I'm allowing you to tag along. So why don't you give your mouth a rest? Okay, doll. I feel like um, any character from this movie, including Imhotep, uh, <laughs> would be would be cordial. Yes. At least, at least, be really apologetic when when they need to go to the bathroom or uh, wake me up for for food. And I think that's why I like this movie. Yeah, more than Indiana Jones as a child. Yeah, I I also mm-hmm. agree that this movie forces you to compare it to indiana jones because Mm -hmm. and we'll i'm sure we'll get into some i could really only i really only followed one route as far as sort of behind the scenes production Mm -hmm. stuff um but basically that this movie was had all kinds of lives uh before it became the movie it is that it was yeah yeah planned to be a lot of different went went in a lot of different directions before it landed here and the here where it landed was really purposefully an indiana jones um yeah not even Mm -hmm. parody it's not it's not parody i think it's just it's another film in the genre it's like not even i guess an homage but it's like it's also its own thing Um, right but there's definitely there's there's nods to it like specific mm -hmm. nods like am i just making this up in my head where there are several parts in this movie where people are trying to get underneath like a, a 
a trap door that under you know in a cave and that's so temple of doom a lot of this movie was temple of doom and so i like that this movie is borrowing from sort of the tradition of indiana jones more than like a parody or a a reboot or something like that it's just sort of borrowing from that tradition and adding to it and tweaking to it in ways that i think are really fun and like you said more accessible to to people it's i think in some ways and i will definitely get into like into more specifically about this but i think in some ways it's a little more i wouldn't say subversive but it it kind of does like interrogate some tropes in these movies and at the same time it's not like too snarky it's not being like isn't it ridiculous isn't this so cliched that this happens Mm -hmm. in like indiana jones it's just kind of like this happens and also, I love that they did not just go – it looks pretty good. They did not go wild with the, the CGI. I right. think because of – they didn't have the biggest budget, but also, you know who did the practical effects and, and, and CGI, I think. Oh, I don't think I looked that up. It was – oh, no, it was the CGI was done by Industrial Light and Magic. George Lucas's uh, company. Oh. That, yeah. So right before the prequels. Yeah. I guess he did this. Which, do you think he was like, you know, I'm just, our 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 company's just doing, we're just doing the CGI. We're not like, we're not actively involved. But have you, have you thought of uh, giving one of the, one of the mummies asthma? Yeah. They're like, do you think the mummy kind of wishes I like what you't doing but do you, don't you feel like the mummy kind of wishes he had like an upper respiratory infection don't you get that sense you guys don't, don't you think you should give the the mummy like a three movie backstory where he's like a little kid who's just like hey and then he's like a teenager who's like angsty uh and and like oh boy the, like this is not a good place. Yeah, and don't do it. You guys, I really like our George Lucas impressions <laughs> that we've settled on. on. It, it's uncanny. Yeah, it's I, uncanny. I really like he how he was like, you guys, don't you, don't you guys kind of want to, like, don't you wish the mummy would, like, take a blood sample and tell you, like, in scientific numbers like how much of how much mummy he has in his blood and so you know how powerful he is and magical he is based on the on the count the count number of his blood don't you wish that obi-wan yes master i need an analysis of this blood sample i'm sending you wait a minute i need a midichlorian count The reading is off the chart. Over 20,000. Even Master Yoda doesn't have a midichlorian count that high. No Jedi has. What does that mean? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I immediately, you know, as soon as the movie starts, I'm like, okay, this is reminiscent of the beginning of Fifth Element, where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I love when we start out with like it's very apparent what we're about to see is an extremely incorrect representation of of history yes but that's all right let's do it let's get into this um and then a moment happens where so i sort of tracked in this movie Mm -hmm. 
I, I sort of tracked moments when I kind of questioned my sexuality and okay. it, it it will move seamlessly towards finally said like realizing uh it's bisexual but already at a minute and 28 seconds you are introduced to Anak Sunamun who is Imhotep's uh forbidden lover and she is in a gold bikini she is oiled up she's shiny she's gold she's wearing like nothing yeah pretty much it's she's wearing gold paint and a little bit of chains i think Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. her and imhotep are so fucking wet and when i see her i and i saw this movie as a child and i remember seeing this and being Mm -hmm. like i know something Mm -hmm. about myself Mm -hmm. like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so that's the moment at 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 timestamp a minute and 28 seconds where i believe i know i'm not straight that's okay yeah um yeah i would love people to write us in either with their own timestamp of this movie yeah, again, um yeah, it's pretty controversial to say uh <laughs> that you're not born a certain way that um a movie could could turn you turn you bisexual. But mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's that's a um I really encourage any straight people to watch this movie and just reflect on on how you feel at these timestamps. Yeah. Yeah. They will, and you will feel like there's you no way yeah. not to. But yeah. yeah, and I also know that it's really controversial, and it's like a really hot take mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. that like the the sexy gold lady is sexy. I know that's like <laughs> breaking breaking news here, but um, but she's really yeah. sexy. Yeah, how many that timestamp? Just I want to inject some hard science into this. <laughs> yeah. How many jewels would you say that scene has? <laughs> uh. Uh, is there a limit? I, Caitlin, <laughs> Caitlin, you okay. gotta. I'm, you know, I'm using the scientific method. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you gotta, so you gotta think, go with me on this. It's probably like sixty. Si- For some okay. reason, All I right. feel like this is sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, sixty jewels. I hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, and then like just for sure the concept of taking your lover's vital organs and placing them in little marble jars next to their dead body is just wet as fuck it it really is yeah come on you know i think uh your lover yelling i will resurrect you It, it, first of all, very extremely romantic. Um, oh, I I love it. Um, yeah. So this movie, as we said, is not a accurate portrayal of ancient Egypt or present day Egypt, obviously. Oh. And and I, in fact, I thought it was very. Um, I thought another wet part of this movie was the font that it used for (laughs) just subtitling ancient Egyptian. Mm -hmm. And what, what I find interesting is like, and I think the elephant for in the room for me is like, this movie is still, and I can't be the judge of this as someone who is a Westerner and not, not Egyptian. This movie is pretty, is fairly, fairly racist still. Oh yeah. But somehow like the more recent mummy movies and like gods, gods and, um, what was the, the gods and men, Egypt, gods of Egypt. Somehow the movies, 
uh, that take place in this in this setting about ancient mm-hmm. Egypt have ju- have like gotten more racist, yeah, and and like and weird, and and that is an indictment of Hollywood. I would also say that this movie, similar to those movies, also cast uh, uh, casted a lot of like not like non Egyptian, non North African, Middle Eastern, um, Arab people as Egyptians. They cast a lot mm-hmm. of. Europeans um, and white people. So that's not cool. And I don't know how Hollywood... Hollywood really just backed up without looking after this movie. <laughs> just, just backed out of the parking lot, not not bothering to check the surroundings, running over Marty McFly, knocking over a bunch of trash cans, and somehow got worse since this movie. Yeah. That being said, the font... At the beginning, um, for ancient Egyptian, I was just like, "What is this font?" Like, I don't like. It was somewhere like, papi- like papyrus. It was it was somewhere, and I just was like, "This is like a wild font." So I, I we reached out to my friend Jacob, who is a designer, and, okay. I, and I was like, "What is this font?" Because like, I need to be able to accurately describe this font. Yes, um, and he said that it feels like a combination of condensed vintage typefaces and Arabic inspired faces that are mimics sort of the '30s and '40s style of Egyptian and Arabic fonts so i don't know i thought that was interesting yeah. um, they tried they tried um that is so interesting that like out of all of the like you just said yeah how they clearly paid no attention to being uh historically accurate right in, 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 with most things in the movie why spend so much time and attention to detail on this aspect of it mm-hmm. to like kind of be historically <laughs> accurate um they're like we don't care about the representation of human beings but we gotta nail this font <laughs> for the exposition we gotta fucking nail it yeah we're gonna hire someone who knows what they're doing but just for the fonts. yeah yeah we just want the fonts to re- accurately reflect reflect this culture um so anyway that's my little that's my thought my font spiel um so then we so after that i would agree that the opening with both imhotep and anaxunamun very uh very beautiful couple definitely very very into it um i love yeah i love just a man that promises to resurrect you and will wait for you all of eternity i think that's very nice and then when he does resurrect you that like smoke water effect thing when Mm -hmm. her soul sort of starts to recreate itself do you know what that reminded me of uh the the blood god sort of yes but also something else from uh another another movie we've watched it to me looked exactly like the protoplasm from oh from scooby-doo oh boy yeah uh (laughs) yeah oh boy I All saw right. it and I was like, I, I, I've seen this effect before. I know what this is. This is protoplasm. And so they use the protoplasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? It's a strong opening. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, listen, uh, this is a love story. This is a romantic comedy. Yes, honestly, it could that that phrase can be used to describe this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is quite romantic and quite funny. So, yeah. um and then okay. So this to me and I I did not do 
timestamps. But uh, to me, a critical bisexual moment was the introduction of Rachel Weisz's character in the library, being just yes. a klutzy, goofy librarian. Yes. Okay. So while you don't have a timestamp for that, I have a, I have a timestamp for later in the movie. At 53 okay. minutes and 53 minutes and 10 seconds, I have the quote when she says, I am a librarian. Oh, and she yeah. just declares it. And oh, I was yeah. like, okay, so I know from earlier in the movie that I'm not straight. Okay. I'm a lesbian. I'm okay. a lesbian. I see this scene. I mm-hmm. see her declare I'm a librarian. Yep. Just it's And yep. she's so confident and sexy. And I'm like, okay. I get it. So yes, fifty three yeah. seconds or fifty three minutes ten seconds. That's where I, that's where I was at. But okay. yeah, I mean, critical critical bisexual moment for sure is oh, yeah. her up on a, straddling a ladder, you know, among bookshelves. Oh, just just destroying the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I was thinking during that scene. So she accidentally knocks over a bookshelf that right. knocks over the next bookshelf that, and it's a domino effect. Did, was that like a I don't know why you would know this but I wondered if that was a practical effect because I was like that was a that was something nuts that they had to set up like that was a crazy stunt uh I mean we could ask George Lucas because we have <laughs> we have two of him in the studio so uh George George what did you do yeah, man, I was just like, I know it looks really good, doesn't it? But it's just more like it was all CGI. And also, you don't know this because they made me take it out of the final cut. But in my extended cut, you actually find out that like all of the bookshelves actually put human organs inside of them because they wanted to have upper respiratory infections, man. Hi, everybody. This is also George Lucas here. I just wanted to say that, yeah, actually in this universe, books don't exist. And actually it's all a Jedi mind trick and that that Evie, Rachel Weisz's character, is doing on everybody to make them think that books are real because they're not and that's that's the yeah, canon she's, is like she's actually a librarian man because she had her her midichlorian count is through the roof so that's why she's able to to use the books that are uh, that aren't even real okay wow, wow. thank you so much george yeah, wow george's uh that's super super helpful yeah, yeah i would i uh, I'm a little disappointed it wasn't a it wasn't a practical effect, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's all right. I'm also let's not delve too much into the idea that books aren't real in this universe because <laughs> there's a shit ton of books in this. There's like there's like different flavors of books. There's like the gold book, the black and book. They're there's all like, like they're all that diary that I always wanted to get when I was little, but it was really expensive yeah. because it was like the the, the like <laughs> key the one with the the key that you had had to open yeah. or or like the one that had like a passcode yeah, and it was like yeah they were they it were was expensive. like a key and a passcode and it was voice activated and you had to and it was like yep. you know my secret uh die my secret war t- wartime diary or something and um <laughs> and this is my password journal it's privacy times two it only opens to my voice dancer welcome back and here's the coolest part like a super secret light. Yeah, I it, it, the books in this movie are like that. 
<laughs> Why has uh, child journal technology not grown from there? Why did it? Why did it? Like shoot into the stratosphere oh, in like I think, um, 2000 and then and then not happen. Was it the dot com bubble? Yeah, I think kids have smart just have smartphones now. Ah, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, you're right. They have the notes out. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think like you know, tr- I think we can revive it. Yeah, I think we can. I think we can bring it back. So I love the way Evie, Rachel Weiss's character, says Hamanaptra. Hamanaptra. It is lovely. It, so basically the inciting incident of this is they find one of the many MacGuffins in this movie. This, this, this thing is just chock full, full of MacGuffins. Uh, that is going to lead them to the lost city of Hamanaptra. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I love about this movie is that a lot of things are being triggered because they've split into like two groups. We've got like two. Yes. We've got the, you know, Brendan Fraser and their camp mm-hmm. and, and Rachel Weiss and her brother. And later on, the Magi mm-hmm. uh, join forces with them. Whew, and yeah. then there's the other group, which is like, I, they're like himbo archaeologists, him, himbo rogue yeah. archaeologists or something. So where I will throw this this movie a bone is, and again, I cannot be the judge of whether this was cool or not, was that um, the portrayal of the archaeologists, there's, so there's an American cohort of, archae- of like, cowboy archaeologists who, who might have been, like, a, a, a subversive take on Indiana Jones, like a cowboy mm-hmm. American archaeologist. And then there's our, our heroes who are, British and American. And it does portray everyone as like a bumbling, greedy idiot yes. just causing damage. Even our heroes. Yes. So Evie straight up, she's the villain of this film. She invokes the mummy's yes. curse. Uh, she makes all the bad things happen. Yes. And uh, she has to restore it. So it, it does show that these archaeologists are not like a positive presence in this story, in this country. And uh, yeah, but they were kind of they were kind of like these himbo cowboy archaeologists. Yeah. And there is a lot of like humor that comes from the fact that mm-hmm. they they are setting a lot of things into motion that like for instance there there are books that they need to unlock Mm -hmm. and read from but they don't realize that there's more than one book so there's and each party doesn't realize that so there's a lot of humor and adventure and things that get set into motion from the fact that they're not working together so they're not able to support sort of put pieces of the puzzle together for instance uh evie and you know brendan frazier's i'm using their actor and character names interchangeably and that's i should pick one um that's okay that's all right i think they'll understand okay so yeah yeah. yeah, for instance you've got rachel weiss and uh her brother and brendan fraser who are who open a book and read they read something like oh don't you don't want to open this thing so they know that but now the other party the bad the american uh archaeologists the Mm -hmm. sort of himbo ones they've found the thing that you're not supposed to open, but they didn't read the book with Rachel Wise, so right, they don't right. know to not open it, so they open right. it and curses are unleashed. And so that that sort of central tension was fun in this movie and I thought was a smart choice on the part yeah, of the filmmakers. They, so many 
I mean, this has been said before. It's not so much that, like, you see movies that take place pre-cell phone, and you're like, oh, this none of this would happen if they had cell phone. No, like, a lot of, I think, movies, um, and that's a weird take, that I wish <laughs> the mummy had cell phones. <laughs> Yeah. It takes yeah. place in like 1923 or yeah. something. But I think a lot of things would, uh, it would still move the action forward, but but a lot of media, people need group chats. Yeah. Um, yes. People need uh, a WhatsApp group. I think literally the most egregious thing is, is the Vampire Diaries because they, it came out in 2009. They could have had a group chat oh yeah um even vampires can are i think they have to be invited into the group chat i don't think that <laughs> like most people yeah yeah <laughs> are we all vampire like when it comes to your phone i maybe vampires can't start a group chat they have to be just be invited that's what one. it is yes okay that's, that's totally, what it is that's totally what it is yeah but none of that show would have happened if people had had a group a group chat yeah anyway Oh boy, and we're not there. We're that wasn't a sidebar. That was just a that was like that was like a Vampire Diaries excursion. Anyway, yeah. So there's these two warring groups of archaeologists. But uh, first, we got to go through go to another critically wet moment and critical bisexual moment, which is the introduction of Brendan Fraser's <laughs> character, mm-hmm. Rick Rick O'Connell. Is that his name? I think that's his name. Yeah, which... you're right. I remember Rachel. I can like picture Rachel Weiss saying Rick. Rick O'Connell, uh, which, yeah, sure. Uh, that That's a, that's a name. Um, yeah, so he is in jail and he is introduced. He's extremely sweaty. He's extremely glistening. Not, not basketball scene from bedazzled like the polar opposite like he is pretty sweaty and grimy and has a sheen but it's working for me yes in like a hot way yes uh and he's very like he's very kind of sar- sarcastic and mean but like in a in a sexy way to evie he also yeah he also like kind of kisses her with without her consent but then later she was like, that was that was great. Yeah, so I think it was a, it, it's a great character intro- introduction where your hero is almost immediately hanged. I think that that's, that's, a, that's a strong start. Almost immediately hanged is immediately oh, hanged. Oh, he is hung. I, yeah, was, yeah. I think my memory must have blocked <laughs> that out because I was like, whoa, they pulled the door and he goes and the the whoever's watching it is like, Oh, he he! It didn't break his neck, so now we have to watch him, you know, struggle. Right. But I was like, "Whoa!" But we're like watching it; it's happening, and it goes on for a bit. And I was like, "Is this supposed to be funny?" Like, right? I I, I don't know exactly what was making me angry. I was just like, I think maybe I was like, "Whoa!" I think I saw this as a child, <laughs> <laughs> and like everything's fine, but everything's fine. everything's fine can, but like they really do pull it. the trap door and he falls oh, and he's yeah. and it's, he's choking it's death. yeah yeah and like it's like just it's almost like comedic tension because the guy's like he's like are you gonna go on a date with me or whatever right uh and so it's like a comedy moment but i like that that gives uh brendan fraser's character and interesting motivation yes. to go on this adventure because he's already been to Hamanoptera and he's like and he had the um 
he had a confrontation with the Magi and like the place almost killed him. Yes. And he was like, nope, I'm good. And so his motivation is not because he wants the treasure, not because he's like this hot, this hot librarian. Um, he literally like she saves his life. He he almost die like he he faces he almost shuffles off his mortal coil i think he faces his mortality so he is indebted to to evie and i think that's kind of what and i think he like doesn't then want her to die in hamonopter is that your your read of of his of his motivation oh totally yeah because he's not like completely coerced right He's not coerced. I think he's like, yeah. he, 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 um, they just want to know how to get there. And yeah. he's like, okay, fine. I'll show you how to get there. And they're kind of like, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess show us how to get there. I don't think they yeah. necessarily need him to go, but I think he also knows, I think he, he fall, he starts to fall for Evie immediately and thinks right. to himself, she does not know what she's getting into. Right. I either I'm gonna die here or I might as well like I'm the only one who has this knowledge. Right. I might as well go and, and show her. But yeah. Also, yeah, they probably may have like killed him again if he was if he just hung out and because she, had left. she says give him to me. Like right. release right. him okay. release him to me and he can be our guide. Okay, so maybe he that is a little coercive. If the if if you're like, hey, go on this field trip or die, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's a it would be a pleasure to be on a riverboat with Rachel Vice. I know. I love a riverboat scene. Oh, absolutely. I, I there's not enough riverboat scenes in movies to me. No, there's not. So, I don't know, have you been on a riverboat? I have not. No. I've only been on one once, and it was on a field trip in uh, elementary school in Minnesota. We went on a riverboat down the Mississippi, you know, just like Tom Sawyer for some fucking reason. Yeah. (laughs) And it was really fun, and it was honestly very romantic and I think only because I I say that because I think this was sixth grade and my hormones were just raging and I had a crush on fucking everybody in sixth grade and so this riverboat day was just like a day for me to that was in my mind just a romantic day with all the awesome hot people I got to go to school with (laughs) in a riverboat with you bisexuals love riverboats it's yes it's, yes. It, it is a stereotype but it, a true stereotype sometimes stereotypes uh, are yeah. true yeah gosh darn it that's one of those true ones yeah you know yeah yeah i love riverboat i like the riverboat scenes if that's not yeah. clear in this movie uh do we get do we get some romantic tension between the two of them on the river, on the river Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Was it similar to your experience? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think what's nice about it is like, you know, it's it's a lot of people in uh you're you're not meant to be on a riverboat for mm-hmm. that long of a period of time. Right. No one's ever meant to be on a riverboat for the the length of time you would be on a ship or something. Right, so right. so it's not outfitted and and already ships aren't that spacious. So I think a riverboat even more so is like it it's got a lot of places to like sit and hang out, but it doesn't have a lot of like everyone is sort of intimate around each other it's it's a it's like a close little hang around the fireplace instead of you know you don't have 
an area to go off by yourself. So everybody is just, it's right. merriment, merriment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for merriment. It's like a pleasure cruise, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah um, Brendan Fraser, he cleans, he cleans up a little bit. And I think that's when Evie's like, Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. And we're also introduced to character of Benny on, on the riverboat, I think, um, who, yeah. Brendan Fraser's character know, knows because mm-hmm. they were in the army together, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. They were, and they were in that skirmish before at he, Benny has also been to Hamanaptra. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, <sighs> Benny is an interesting, like just a wet, a wet dude. He uh, is. He's like a wet sewer rat. You yeah, know? yeah. Like he's yeah. just like, he's always like, moving and twitching and and he's so he he always you know that he reminds me of a rat in that way that he's always sniffing around where he's not supposed to be and um is very sort of timid but yeah but also just drippy and a drippy guy stinky and slimy so he is a rat that lives in the sewer yeah so the riverboat gets torched by uh who does it get torched by i think the Magi. The Magi? The Magi? Yeah. Okay. This is also what's interesting is the Magi are, pre- are like kind of uh, presented as like villains and coded that way. Yeah. They're literally presented the same way as the guys that are protecting the the Ark of the Covenant. Right, right, or, or right. no, sorry. Um, from the third one, from the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. There's a group of, they're like the cruciform, the something of the cruciform sword. And they're this this same character where you think they're bad. They're coded as bad at first. Okay. And then you realize that they're just trying to protect a sacred artifact. Right. They're trying um, to protect the whole world from the apocalypse if the mummy is uh, yes. aw- awakened. Awakened, yes. Awakened. But yeah, this was literally like the the clearest kind of parallel to yes, to yeah, Indiana Jones yeah. was this this specific character. Yes. But yeah. yeah. Did you have more thoughts on on sort of how they're uh they're portrayed in this movie? It was like it was interesting because again, I think that they could have been like presented as like an evil other Egyptian right. uh, army, but they were they were actually like the protectors yes. and the people who knew what was going on and wanted to help save the world and wanted to save the care like didn't want more de- like didn't want more death wanted didn't necessarily want to kill any of them and gave them gave them a chance to leave. We're like, listen, yeah. we don't actually want to kill you. Just stop fucking yeah. around with like the ancient stuff going on yeah so i liked them i we get so the riverboat goes down and we get the iconic line uh, where benny says it looks like it looks like i got all the horses on this side of the river because benny and brendan fraser end up on the opposite sides of the river and he's mm-hmm. like hey benny it looks like you're on the wrong side of the river mm-hmm He's just, he has a swagger to him. And mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser does such a good job. He, has, he does. He is incredible. He has a swagger and an affability to him. So yeah. he is not, he is like, can be sarcastic, but again, not as 
sharp and abrasive to me as Indiana Jones or or a Harrison Ford. And there's like a playfulness to him. He's great. Oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's why he just nailed so many roles in mm-hmm. a row. But yeah, so I think it's around, is it around this time sort of when they, so, oh, okay. So yes, they get off the riverboat and they make it to land. They're on opposite sides of the river. Brendan Fraser and and the good guys are sort of on the on the correct side mm-hmm. of the river and they start making their way to Hamanaptra and yeah and then they get there and i think we just need to pause here and and, and address really clearly for for the listeners um for, and for anyone who hasn't seen this movie it's around this time where we we find out how the mummy curse works okay um, because it is truly the wettest thing about this movie. It is one of the wettest concepts in the world. It's wetter than the blood god because the blood god is one one guy be- becoming right. be- becoming something. Do do you maybe you want to describe um, sort of how how does the um, how does the titular mummy you know sort of come back to life? I straight up don't remember, nor did I write oh, it down. Oh. <laughs> um, well, okay. So basically, so the, it's it says, there is one, the undead, who, if brought back to life, is bound by sacred law to consummate this curse. He will kill all who open this chest and right. assimilate their organs and fluids. Oh, yes. And yeah. in so doing, he will regenerate and no longer be the undead, but the plague upon this earth. So what ends up happening is the mummy in order to come back to life, he needs to be flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, he physically, like in real time, ta- like takes flesh and organs from other mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, so you sort of see this first when there's like this b- bumbling, uh, one of the bumbling himbo American guys. Uh, he... are, are you a himbo if you're trying to steal ancient artifacts and invoke a mummy's curse uh, i feel like that's not respecting it's not women. but like yeah. all of them wanted to do that like even that's fucking true. brendan fraser you that's know that's true if we're gonna if we're gonna count brendan fraser as a himbo yeah. that's yeah uh so i'm so sorry i didn't mean to inter- so the america so yeah that was very wet him needing to suck he basically like sucks the juices out of people directly yeah yeah and sometimes directly their organs. So yeah, one of the guys yeah. like loses his glasses mm-hmm. and he and they break and he can't find them and he can't see. And so uh, thematically what ends up happening to him is the mummy like takes his eyes. Yeah. Like, and you yeah. see him like take, I don't know about like actually taking it, but there's an eye, there's like a socket hole. And then the mummy turns around and the eye is in the mummy's head. Wait, so he in- took the eyes of someone with glasses? He did. So he took eyes that can't see very well. Oh my god! And he doesn't wear. He doesn't grab those glasses. So is the mummy just seeing like blurry things around him? I didn't even think about Maybe that. Maybe he's not evil. Maybe he just like can't fully. He needs his prescription, and he yeah. needs to see what's going on. Oh my god, that's that is such a good point. I ca- I can't believe I didn't think about that. They make such a big deal out of how it's that guy's eyes right, right. that are that are in the mummy. Like they show yeah. you that, and we just saw how he is so blind that he can't he cannot see 
you know, three inches in front of his face when he, he doesn't have his he, glasses he's on. He's very, he really needs glasses. It's he not just really like he has needs a slight, glasses. Uh, yeah. Farsightedness. Yeah, no, I think. Um, oh my God, the mummy. The, it's almost impressive, though, then, like, all of the things he was doing. He was doing, like, basically like, le- legally blind. Hand, hand, <laughs> hand-to-hand combat, combat. Yeah. Yeah, so if anyone wants to do, like, edit this movie, do, like, a deep take of this movie where the mummy's wearing, like, Harry Potter glasses, <laughs> I would appreciate Because then not only is it scientifically accurate, and I'm like, I'm on board, uh, I think that would be cute. I yeah. think if he had some some big, big old glasses, that would yeah. that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> what if the mummy had transition lenses? <gasps> what if like, the mummy had Because trans- that would be practical, because yeah. he's either in, like, a dark cave, or he's out in the desert. Out in so direct If sunlight. anyone's a candidate for transition lenses, it's the the mummy. Yeah. yeah. That's probably yeah. that was probably his first plan. He was like, "Okay, yeah. I'm going to get these idiots who resurrected me. I got to take care of them. Then I'm going to conquer the world and find my true love. In the meantime, going to stop by lens crafters and going to get some transition lenses." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the 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 lens crafters in Hamanoptera does not have good customer service reviews. They're no. all like, Ugh. I opened I opened my gla- the glass case. I unleashed a evil spirit into the world. I no longer have any juices. Yeah, I opened the glasses my- case and just just thousands of beetles spilled out of it. <laughs> I I and now there's an infestation in my house, all because I ordered a pair of glasses from Lens Crafters <laughs> in Hamanoptera. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, oh, we boy. haven't talked we haven't talked about the Beatles yet, the scarab oh, Beatles. The that that was a wet moment. Because they they go under your skin. They bubble oh, under dude. your skin. You yeah, know? Yeah, they they this was not cool. This was like a parasite Prometheus thing that that I don't like, that I'm not a fan of. Although after Prometheus, like I could handle it. But basically they like if you get one, they go in your skin and mm-hmm. like go to like your heart or your brain or whatever and kill you or if there's a bunch of them they just swarm on you and eat your flesh so wet as hell i was also thinking about it and they make it pretty clear that they seal the bugs in with the guy and then those exact bugs are like awakened like i i kept being like these are mummy beetles too so i think they're like magic i think they like eat him for eternity yeah Which is fucked up yeah, yeah again slowly. this is a fucked up curse like it I don't... really is i mean honest the beginning is scary it gives you a lot of sympathy for him he was he was literally just trying to be with his love yes yeah and and wait and it, the curse wasn't his wasn't no. Imhotep's. it was the the pharaoh's magicians i guess they put the curse onto him and they were like, this is a horrible curse that might doom the world one day, but this guy slept with my girlfriend, which, yep. yeah, that that's not a himbo move. That's, that's no, and the, the part that really uh, yeah. isn't isn't taken into consideration that gets me mad is like, it's not just, oh, you slept with my girlfriend, but like she was in love with him, too. Right, right, right. She did not so, want to be. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a hot take that the pharaoh from the beginning of the <laughs> the mummy was unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think that's like text yeah, hot in the text. Take, but like pharaohs, 
kind of mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's not Just there's like, not any other stories where that's a theme. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we gotta Okay, I think I wrote down the time stamp. I didn't write write down the timestamp. I wrote down a cryptic a cryptic series of words as mm-hmm. I always do when taking notes during this movie. Okay, so this is the moment I think is sexual when they play fight at the fire. There's a moment, they have like a cute moment, Evie and Rick at the fire, mm-hmm. and he is just so winning. Oh, I think she is drunk. Yeah, yeah. But it's still cute. He's yeah. very sweet. Um, she's She goes to kiss him and then she passes out. Yeah. And then he kisses the air afterwards. Yeah. I don't know why that acting choice to me was just was like a very, a very, just a very cute little moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think it, it. I don't even think we need to like unpack it. It was right. just so it, it it that was a, a beautiful they little moment. They just have good chemistry. I think they that's, do. I think honestly, that's what's going on. And we're like, okay, what, what is this? What is this? Ma- this magic? Yeah. Yes. No. I completely agree that 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 is what is at the heart of this movie is the chemistry that the mm-hmm. actors have together. And so that's mm-hmm. what brings me to my uh, critically bisexual moment. This is my timestamp of when I have been like, okay, I know I'm queer, but I don't know more than that. And then I think, okay, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm a lesbian because this, I mean, the librarian. And then at one hour, six minutes and 31 seconds, mm. That's when the Magi dude is really heavily introduced to Mm -hmm. the situation. Mm -hmm. So he's the 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 Magi, this group of people who are protectors of antiquity uh, and the Mummy's Curse. They they've been slowly introduced to us, and then the movie reaches a certain point where we we know that they're they're the good guys and they're fighting for good, and so they join forces with Brendan Fraser and them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at, at an hour and six minutes and thirty one seconds is when they they really join the team. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Fraser and the Magi guy have so much sexual. They've got tension. a lot of sexual energy and and chemistry and the dude and Rachel Weiss have a bunch of chemistry together and of course Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss do and so let's all get on a riverboat see what happens (laughs) exactly so like I really and I really like the actor who plays the magi guy i he he does it for me um, for some reason yeah and and also Rachel Weiss so Adding him into the mix is like when I know that I'm bi because I'm like, oh, him and Rachel Wise are so attractive. Mm -hmm. But then the chemistry that he and Brendan Fraser have is I'm like, I want all of them to kiss each other. I want all of them to to kiss each other and then me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. They're... They've got some real chemistry. Yeah, they're just like a big group of friends that just all are sex- sexy and have chemistry. And and I'm like, this is what I'm into. Like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. Uh, dynamic and, and everything that's going on uh, w- was when it really solidified mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was he was extremely hot. It was it was great. I, I'm looking up at Wikipedia. His name is Ardeth. They didn't really like give him a name which no. was weird but his name is Arda. I I imagine he's probably in the the sequel. 
I have not seen. I, I think, think the he sequel is, yeah. must begin with him like, like Doc Brown showing up at Rick and Evie's house in a <laughs> riverboat and being like, "The mummy's awake again. We gotta get back on the riverboat and go back to to um, uh, 2013." Yeah. Yeah. Wait, was that when the sequel was? Uh, Back to the Future, not oh, the movie. Oh, 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 yeah, that's right. No, that's okay. That um, would be wild if if in, like, 2002 or whenever the second Mummy movie came out, they're like, this canonically takes place in 2013. <laughs> it's it, And everything's Blade Runner. Yep. That's a good idea. That's that, so fucking good. If they good. want to reboot Why? The Mummy, make it Blade Runner. Yeah, and also, holy shit, why don't they ever, are there movies that are like set in a dystopian future or just like a future, just a future world where they unleash a mummy? I feel like I've never seen that, but why the fuck would mummies existing have anything to do with like what time period uh, in Earth's existence Mm -hmm. it is? So why, why aren't there more movies that take place in the future that have mummies in them? God, never thought about that. Yeah, honestly, that goes with all of the the public domain movie yeah. monsters of the 1930s. I want to see, I'm sure there is, but like I want to see like 200 million blockbuster movies about uh Frankenstein in space. I want to yeah. see I want to see vampires being called skin jobs and being turned into robot vampires. You know what? I want to see uh, a Battlestar Galactica episode where they have to fight the creature from the Bat Black Lagoon. <laughs> I swear to God, I will reboot that show that ended in in like 2010, and I will, I will put the creature from the Black Lagoon into it. She'll do it. She's not kidding. Yeah, I will. I will figure out a way. Yeah. Oh man, um, yeah, I really want to see Nosferatu with a uh, Bluetooth. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be so good. Yeah, he, yeah, it would, uh, yeah. Sure. I think he would really like one. I think he would really like having one. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, we could talk about the just the aesthetics of the mummy himself. How he opens his mouth a lot, way further mm-hmm. than uh, oh yeah, yeah, than one would be able to open mm-hmm. one's jaw and so that cgi is just goopy and oh and it's so goopy yeah that visual and like bugs fly out of his mouth and then he eats a beetle at some point and it's like oh oh, oh dude that was a critical wet moment the yeah. scarab goes up into 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 his mouth and he and he chews on it yes i uh, a really interesting moment for me that was critically wet, but in a surprising way because it was again sand physics. Mm-hmm. Was uh, his real his Dracula moment where he goes to like see Evie because he like oh he needs her to put his girlfriend yeah like into her body or yeah, something. yeah she's like the conduit for bringing right the, right the the girlfriend back yeah so he goes uh, goes in and he like I guess he's Sandman. From yeah. Spider-Man 3? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was th- saying, because, yeah, that he he sort of becomes quicksand, kind of. He becomes and sand, and he goes through her keyhole, and then he regoops himself. Yeah, And it's a wet sand moment, which is just very interesting to me. Yeah, I think, yeah, I had some more critical wet moments. 
and critical by Dexter Lawrence. Definitely, yeah, for some reason, it the him sanding himself through the door was both. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like, because I was into it. I was like, even though it was cre- like creepy, like don't mm-hmm. go sand yourself into a woman's bedroom mm-hmm. and then stare at her. But for some reason, I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some chemistry between Benny and Rick. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, they're he totally grabs nice. him by the lapel and he's like, oh, Benny. And like, he tries to save, but like, he doesn't want Benny to die. Right. He, I think he's like, oh, Benny, why do you like always make the bad decision? Why can't you just, right, you right, know, right. like he's, he's frustrated with the fact why that Why can't he, you be cool for like five minutes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he's, you, Rick is truly, truly disappointed that like, ah, oh, he, Benny's the enemy now, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I like, there was, this was what, and sexually interesting. (laughs) Oh boy, this podcast. Uh, The role of of little kissies in the movie. Um, I love little kissies. Um, It's important that they, you know, uh, so, so the kiss starts, initiates the, the, the whole action because, he kisses Evie. Okay, yeah. At the yeah. beginning. And then she kisses Imhotep to distract him to save her friends. Again, yeah, that was just interesting to me. It was like, just use little kisses. Kisses as weapons. Very, very wet. Very wet concept. Oh, I just, I actually didn't like the way, the sadistic way Benny was treated. I think it was like a harsh end. I think that like, Remind me how he goes again. People. Uh, he gets trapped in the cat cavern <gasps> oh, and, that's and eaten right. by, by that's beetles. Right. Yeah. He was greedy, but he didn't like, he wasn't that evil. Like he was just like, I don't know. He I, was, was just, used. He was used. He's the character. He was used. He's the character like in, um, I don't know why this is the only one I can think of, but it's like when a villain needs a henchman. And so like in right, Thor, right. Thor Ragnarok, uh, Hela, Kate Blanchett's character decides she sees Scourge, who's this like dumb kind of, he has got a Cockney accent, even though he lives in Asgard. Um, he's like that bumbling Cockney guy. She decides right. like he's her henchman. So I sort of saw Benny as that at like, they're, it's inevitable because they've been chosen for their, like, unwavering loyalty. <laughs> right, right. And, and like, you know what Thor didn't do? What? He didn't get all of his his friend, what's his name? Scourge is his name? He didn't, Scourge, he didn't yeah. Make, like, Scourge didn't get all of his skin eaten off once he was no longer, yeah. no longer under his, her spell. Um, yeah, True. it was like it was like a lot. Justice for Benny. Like honestly, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was thinking a lot of in this movie, it's it's not that people die in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like in, in big I mean, think of how many people just just die yeah. in Indiana Jones movies and stuff. Like it's just constant. But it's 
how the people die in this movie and the truly horrifying it it is is horrifying when you think like this movie makes you think about the ways these people are dying like it makes you think about the fact that Imhotep is being buried alive and then eaten alive very slowly and Mm -hmm. he's not going to die because of it he will just like become this immortal evil being and then also Benny later on he's getting eaten alive in a completely dark tune it's all too fucked up it makes you think about that yeah i will say what i liked about the ending of this movie is that our main characters they don't get any treasure it's like they don't uh she almost brings the book of amun ra which is worth a lot but it falls and she tries to go back and they're like no yeah they just clean up their mess yeah and leave. Yeah. And they don't gain anything. The real treasure was the stupid, hot himbo you gained along yeah. the way. The real treasure is our sexual tension. Yeah. The real treasure is all of the viewers who get to realize these, you know, things about their sexual identities. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so I did want to talk about the book just for a second. Um, okay. Because the Book the, of Amun-Ra. The Book of Amun-Ra And, okay, so they get the book, and I see how big the book is. She's holding this giant gold book, and it's huge. And I see it, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's going to take them forever to find that one spell that they need. But then it's like five huge golden pages made out of giant blocks of gold so it was really easy to find (laughs) because the book was it literally it it was only five pages because each page was like this big thick block of gold oh yeah and i was like oh i love that i love there wasn't that much information to convey actually (laughs) yeah Yeah, i loved the uh, the idea and concept of that book yeah but yeah, yeah. and how just how heavy and ridiculous it it right, was right. um for sure and then yeah the, my final critical what moment is is how i guess it's Im- how imhotep dies uh mm-hmm. he he sort of mm-hmm. dies in a mm-hmm. metallic black undulating uh puddle of skeletons he dissolves into the plasma pool from yeah. from whence he came and where we will all return yeah when we when we face our end yeah yeah and he says death is only the beginning which yeah sets up a sequel and is like the the theme of his love yeah and his yeah well when he motivation. said that when he yeah. said like death is only the, the beginning i was like okay so we're back at the same place at the move when the movie started right um, right but I, yeah <laughs> Cool. Nothing was. I mean, things were gained. It was just about like it was a cleaning fun up. adventure. It was right. like literally. My last note is just yes, good adventure, fun, fun adventure. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um. So I can we talk a little bit? And you alluded to this about mm-hmm. the. So th- th- I think this movie was in development hell for yeah. a long time. I was gonna say I would love to just track that. <laughs> before we it go into it is verdicts. wild yeah. what this movie could have been yes uh one of the first iterations of this was daniel day lewis yes. was going to portray a brooding mummy yes i think i've gone on record to say that 
Daniel Day-Lewis does not have the range to portray a wet character. He doesn't. He does not have the range to play a wet mummy. No, even Um, when he's dealing with oil, which is so goopy and wet, he's still... Well, and I want to say, so before Daniel Day-Lewis, Universal had an idea for this to to remake... um, a 1932 movie they so they hired these producers that recruited clive barker to direct it mm-hmm. and clive barker i don't know if you know he did like hellraiser and okay. um, a bunch of other things but he does like really violent fucked up horror stuff that yeah. people love i even really like some of his stuff yeah and he so clive barker's vision was incredibly violent and the story revolved around the head of a contemporary art museum who turns out to be a cultist trying to reanimate mummies and it was mm-hmm. described as dark sexual and filled with mysticism so Ooh. yeah that was universal's initial thing and i don't know where that went but next up uh there was a the uh, director joe don comes in and he's like we got to pay these big bucks to get uh like you said daniel day lewis yeah the next one could you even could you even imagine brooding daniel day lewis as a mummy like i that i'm i'm a mummy you see and this is my son (laughs) a million scarab beetles and me and my son will come over to you and we will drink your organs up. We will drink. I drink you up. <laughs> I suck your eyes right up. Okay, so. Um, uh, he would have done a good job at like portraying. Um, it, he would have really gone method. Uh, yeah. He would have definitely. Obviously, it's Daniel D. Lewis. He yeah. would have locked himself in a sarcophagus mm-hmm. for a thousand years with with flesh eating beetles. Mm-hmm. He would, uh, yeah, but he would have removed all his organs and put them in pots first. Pots. Uh, I think w- he would have um, insisted on doing his own stunts, and yeah. also therefore would have had his jaw surgically unhinged so that he can. Um, do the the flying beetles out of his mouth scenes yeah yeah he would have definitely not worn any contacts so that he could like the mummy only see um blurry shapes around him yes so he can get in the mindset of a character who has taken the eyes of someone (laughs) who needs glasses um which again great okay yeah so after please Tell tell us about after Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, the George the George Romero version. Yeah. Okay. So the George. <laughs> so next, there was going to be maybe a version version directed by George Romero, uh, yeah. famed horror director director of um, Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. he basically yeah. wanted to do Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. He just wanted to do that, like zombies, he, even not so mummies. <laughs> the um, description of this is it. Unfolding in a nameless American city in modern times, events are set into motion when Imhotep inadvertently awakens as a result of his preserved cadaver having been exposed to rays from an MRI scan in a high-tech forensic archaeology lab. It's a fish-out-of-water story when Imhotep, having regained his youthful appearance, recognizes the need to adapt to a contemporary society that is 3,000 years removed from the one he came from. Assuming... At first, that he is a representative from the Bureau of Antiquities, Helen finds herself drawn into a tentative relationship with Imhotep. 
while also experiencing clairvoyant flashbacks to a previous life in the 19th dynasty of Egypt as a priestess of Isis. Uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a Tom Hanks movie. It does. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Like, again, I we should cast Egyptian actors as Egyptian characters, but it does sound like a, to- a role that Tom Hanks would have. Um, and... Yeah, that is kind of what we wanted a mummy in the future. That this could take yeah. place in the future or a mummy interacting with like present day technology. Mm-hmm. Like an a mummy getting an MRI, a mummy using a Keurig machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like why do we assume when mummies come back they're going to be all like pissed off and cursed and stuff? Like right. why what if a mummy wakes up and is like Oh shit! I I waked up at the right. I waked up. Uh, <laughs> I woke up at the right time, and yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, starts making buying Keurigs and goes to IKEA and like is just like yeah, I'm gonna make a little little life for myself. Next, uh, Wes Craven. The only the, then Wes Craven was offered it, but yes. he turned it down. Uh, that could have been interesting. Because maybe Wes Craven would have get, given Matthew Lillard a a role, 90s Matthew Lillard a yeah. role. Talk about toasted. <laughs> Man, the only thing I like better than an eggplant burger is a chocolate-covered eggplant burger. So, yeah, also I in the Wikipedia, and I just liked this because it references a movie I think about constantly. Um, at the time... Uh, when this movie was being made, Universal Management had changed in response to the bo- box office failure of Babe, Pig in the City. <laughs> and the loss led the studio to want to revisit its su- successful franchises from the 1930s. Um, so that that's when they increased the budget up to $80 million and made this, this movie. And their Universal learned the lesson from the wrong lesson from that and kept trying to reboot the monster movies of the 1930s apparently to avoid dehydration in the scorching heat of the sahara where the film was filmed the film was filmed the production's medical team created a drink that the cast and crew had to consume every two hours what was in that drink what was that drink what was in it i don't know but whatever it was it's maybe that's what was giving that was everybody special juice. maybe yeah. that was what was giving everybody mad sexual tension with each other and, right. and chemistry they were bisexual energy <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah we got to find out what that drink was because that is a that it it needs to be the official sponsor of bisexuality uh, oh i'm getting uh, i'm getting a word from uh, a note from our producer it is in fact ikea's lingonberry juice That is the official. That is the official drink of bisexuals. Uh, The official sponsor of bisexuals is IKEA's. uh, But not not even the diluted version. Just the the concentrate. Oh, it has to be the concentrate. The syrupy concentrate. It has to be the concentrate. Um, But anyway, the crew members often had to be airlifted after being (gasps) bitten by snakes, spiders, and scorpions. Oh no! Maybe. Do you think the set was cursed? Oh shit! Maybe because apparently Brent, this I love this part of the podcast where I just read the Wikipedia page. But <laughs> Brendan Fraser nearly died during the scene <gasps> where his character is hanged. 
Vice oh, remembered he Frazier stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. <gasps> what? Why were you doing that stunt? Why were you doing what? it? <laughs> That's oh. what. Okay, you know this is actually pretty fucked up. The way yeah. that Brendan Fraser was treated on movies like this like led to him having a lot of <gasps> chronic pain in his life. So <sighs> now, now I'm mad, but also, yeah. damn, Brendan Fraser died for this movie for a little bit. He for sure did. Holy yeah. crap. Now I know why I was so affected by it at yeah. the beginning because that I was watching a man die. Oh, yeah. man. That's Dude, nuts. he died. He totally died. Um, so, okay, it, this is not necessary, but it's just a little bit fun that yeah. one of my favorite theme park rides of all time, and I'm not alone in this. People often say it's one of the coolest, most unique rides they've ever been on is the Mummy Ride at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the plot of that ride, and when I say the plot of that ride, I mean when you go on a ride at like Disney or Universal, one mm-hmm. of these like really big pr- high-level production companies mm-hmm. that often like standing in the line is a whole story they they make it really interactive and fun because you're going to be waiting in line for a really long time and so the story that they tell you of like why you're riding this ride is that they're filming the mummy or they're mm. filming a sequel or something okay. and so like Br- brendan fraser as brendan fraser is like talking to you on the set and the set there are rumors that the set of the new mummy movie is cursed okay and so you so it's like so much fucking fun and like different it's you start out on like the set um or like it's very clear that it's a set because there are costumes and and film equipment and things that are labeled and then as you get further in the line you get into the real set so mm-hmm. it's you're basically just in like an ancient egyptian mm-hmm. tomb uh and it's it's just so the it's a really unique ride it's a small roller coaster and halfway through the ride it like stops and like goes backwards really fast Ooh. and it's just it is a really unique ride and um yeah sort of is a story within a store a, a curse curse mummy curse within a mummy curse yeah 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 is the ride bisexual hmm yeah because it's my parents are really gonna understand this episode (laughs) if they watch it (laughs) yeah seriously no i would say this ride is like bisexual as hell because it's like it's all like neon lights through smoke and then and Mm -hmm. also um mist so you're getting physically wet when you when you ride this ride and it's it's like parts of it are fast and parts of it are slow but all parts of it are it is like a barrage of neon lights and smoke and um lasers laser beams and so i but i think all of this speaks for itself why all of that is bisexual okay is, uh, you don't need to say what, anything more understood understood yeah yeah uh yeah this okay i'm ready i'm ready yeah. to move on did you find any new holes in this movie you don't you don't have any holes? Nope. Yeah, so the only ones that I can really think of and that I think are... I have two. I have okay. two. So, well, I guess three, um, if technically, because yeah. the first two are... Uh, so we, we sort of described that the guy who... The glasses guy breaks his glasses. Oh, no, he can't see. And then, um, and then the mummy takes his eyes. But that character... Uh, that guy is like in the movie for several more scenes mm-hmm. and he just has like eye holes like oh, just yeah. em- 
yeah. empty sockets yeah. and it's disgusting yeah uh and then also i think i think watching this movie again as an adult really helped me fill a lot of holes um fill in any holes i had about my sexual identity and it really helped me connect connect some dots mm -hmm. and uh yeah so it it created holes and it filled some holes yeah you know there's a hole in books that you needed to put like a magic stone into to turn to open. Mm -hmm. That was fun. I think there should just we should beef up book security again. Oh yeah. Um, because you know diaries, uh, fancy novel, young adult novels about princesses used to have like keys and locks and ribbons. I'm just saying, like we used to, we used to care about um diary security. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and at one point someone says the line it's just a book no harm ever came from reading a book right tell me that before i before i read midnight sun <laughs> i could have yeah i yeah. when i heard her say that i was like i would love to unpack this sentence, <laughs> that's but that, um, is, that is demonstrably false much harm has come yeah. from books but but also that um yeah within the context of this movie l literally harm comes <laughs> from these books right yeah uh, i think a hole is probably one that you need to fill with asshole american archaeologist organs fill all of the yes. empty spaces in your body with the organs of disrespectful american tourists yes yeah. irreverent tourists irreverent tourists <laughs> So, uh, Caitlin, what is our verdict? How wet is this movie? Okay, so this movie is incredibly wet. It is sopping wet, and I think it's as wet as um Ethan Hawks, mossy applesauce lasagna. And you know, because Ethan Hawk is so sweaty and slimy and greasy he's really greasy and he's an incredible actor but just was the greasiest star of so many movies in this exact time mm -hmm. period when the mummy takes place and he's got this applesauce lasagna which <laughs> fuck you ethan hawk for he insisted on making it he's like lasagna is not goopy enough it needs this like sweet gloppy nonsense and the melding of these flavors and on top of that it's old and mossy because he left it out <laughs> in a forest oh, ethan hawk yeah, yeah. oh that is accurate that is scarily accurate yeah. But uh, what about you, Sophie? What's what's your verdict? Um, so this movie is as wet as a deadly luge made out of the body parts of fallen Ewok warriors and greased by Ikea lingonberry concentrate that you ride down with all your childhood crushes to the music of Mitski. So it's pretty, like, pretty literally visceral. Well, still being like somewhat family friendly, and uh, it's definitely goofy, like in a good, satisfying way, like a like a nice lingonberry uh, <laughs> concentrate. And also, there's just a lot of sexual tension and 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 bisexual energy for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty wet movie. It's a wet movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah wet movie. Yeah. It's 
2059, she's a no-nonsense astronaut on the surface of Mars that doesn't have time for dating. She just likes science. <sighs> all these calculations are so hard, all of the vectors on this planet. Uh, he's a 4,000-year-old mummy who just can't catch a break. Oh man, I just woke up and now I'm on Mars? What are all these boop boop machines? Hey lady, can't you get a guy a drink? Ugh, she's all business. Ah, da, 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 da. Ugh, I can't believe this mummy is distracting me from my quadratic formulas. He's all play. Hey everybody! Let's get, let's, uh, let's have some of this 4,000-year-old, uh, juice I just found from my sarcophagus. Let's do it. Will they ever get along? Oh, uh, could you hand me my beaker? I have to do science. All right, lady, here you go. Hey, you know what? You remind me of that woman that I died for 4,000 years ago. What? Yeah, it's cool though. I'm the mummy. Coming the first movie you will be able to see out of quarantine. The Mummy 2059. Sophie, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that oh, was man. fantastic. Is it what? This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot -S -S -E com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.